Live from the hills of Judea is the Land of Israel Fellowship with Rabbis Ari Abramowitz and Jeremy Gimpel. Shalom, friends. Shalom, everybody. Jeremy and I are sitting here together, and we are looking at your beautiful faces, and we're feeling your love, and it feels good to see you. It feels it feels like a hundred years since last fellowship, and it's good to be together. Um, before we launch into anything at all, uh, because it's not even clear like what these fellowships are even supposed to look like anymore. You know, we're so consumed moment to moment, literally moment to moment. It's like survival mode. Sometimes it feels that way that, uh, you know, to do the the study and the immersion and the normal approach to the fellowships, it's just not the same. So before we launch into anything at all, I want to turn to Jeremy here uh, with uh, with a prayer, because the truth is that all the hope we have right now is in prayer. We need to be storming the heavens right now, because I have a feeling that as a nation, we are, we are still cleaving to our illusions that there is any sort of independent power that we have to control or navigate this situation. Uh, and I believe those illusions will soon dissipate and the truth will become clear that we have no one, we have nothing other than Hashem. And that is by far all that we need. And so when we internalize that truth, you will see uh, one defeat hundreds and tens defeat thousands, tens of thousands, uh, but only through prayer, uh, only with Hashem's help. So Jeremy, please start us off. I'm reading a letter now that I received from a soldier in the IDF who's stationed in Gaza right now. And this was his request. And his request is really to bring us all together in prayer. And so what an opportunity to have hundreds of people from all over the world come together now, uh, read his letter, and then launch us into a prayer that he requested of us. This is the letter. Today our hearts are pounding in fear. Who of us will die and who will return safely? We are your messengers in fighting. We are fighting so you can live peacefully with your children, so you can stay alive. We are your protection. Will you be ours? We're going to this dangerous mission, knowing some of us will not come back, but will rise to the next position in a storm to heaven, as Eliyahu the prophet did. We are going with devotion and dedication. We are asking you to be our protection with your prayers. Protect us by going above and beyond yourselves through spirituality and good deeds. Pray for us. Pray that you won't see another mother burying her son. Pray that you won't see our wives as widows raise our children in tears. Pray that our children will grow up knowing who their fathers are. Pray that we will eliminate the terrorists who aim to destroy us and that we will not injure innocent women and children. Please, we are begging you, as you are reading this, don't just go on to the next thing you are doing. Say one chapter of Psalms. Wake up King David to ask the Almighty for full redemption and peace for all the world. Take upon yourselves another good deed and please pass this on. I'm certain your prayers will make a difference. Remember, we are in it together. We are on the front lines carrying the weapons and you are fighting along with us in your prayers. Each word of your prayer gives us strength, protection, and success. Let's shower the heavens with prayers for all of Am Yisrael. Amen. 
And so he asked specifically to read from the book of Psalms, from the book of King David. So I'm going to be reading in Hebrew and then in English from Psalm 121. A song of ascents. I lift my I will lift my eyes up to the hills from where comes my salvation. My salvation comes from Hashem who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall now shall neither slumber nor sleep. Hashem is your keeper. Hashem is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Hashem shall preserve you from all evil. He shall protect you, your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, so that's the way we need to start. And that's the way we're going to start. That's the way we start, and that's the way we're going to end. And uh, every morning during prayers, when we pray the normal morning service, of course, you look around and the hearts are being poured out like never before. Uh, everybody stays afterwards and, and recites the psalms. And the words of the psalms, I don't know about for you, Jeremy, but for me, they've taken on a whole new world of meaning. It's like they were written for our times, for our situation, and they're so applicable that it, uh, it was like almost like we've been saying them for all these thousands of years on some level to keep them alive so we have them right now as our weapons, as our strength, and as our our security during these times. <clears throat> um, okay, so where where would we begin on this fellowship? So the, I, I thought we should begin at the beginning, right? That's what this week's Torah portion is. That's what this fellowship is very much about. It's about prayer. It's about unity. It's about brotherhood. It's about it's about family, and it's about the Torah. And uh, and this week's Torah portion was the book of Bereshit in the beginning, and that's where I think we need to begin. Bereshit Genesis this Shabbat. That's what we read. And as we all know, uh, we usually read this verse, the first verse of the Bible. We read it Bereshit bara Elohim etashamayim betaaretz in the beginning. Elohim, in the beginning of Hashem, in the beginning God, created heaven and earth. And uh, and that's the way we read it, and that's the normative way to read it, and that's true. But as you know, in this fellowship, we like to dig a little bit deeper into some sort of, some of the, the mystical and deeper understandings of things. And Rav Biederman shared a little bit of a different way of reading the, this verse that I think is the only way to start this fellowship. He says, Bereshit, in the beginning, in the beginning, let's start here, right? Let's start with this. The first thing we need to say, the first thing we need to remember, the first thing we need to know is Bara Elohim Hashem created the heavens and the earth. Right? You, you follow Bereshit in the beginning. That's what we need to know. God created the heavens and the earth. That is, let's just remember that. He is running the show. Nothing happens without Hashem's direction. Nothing. While we are, of, of course, you know, we need to learn from what's happened on a practical level. Some people think that this type of talk 
is disempowering. It just makes us stop trying. No, it's the opposite. It gives us the sober, dispassionate ability to look at the world the way it is and to learn from it, but to understand at the very same time that Hashem is running the show. So we need to learn what's happened on a practical, military, strategic policy level. Uh, but uh, but let's not forget that what we're going through is what we need to go through right now. Hashem's running the show, and we're on our way towards redemption right now. So let's not forget, right, that when a man beats a dog with a stick, the dog bites at the stick, right? Hamas, the Hezbollah, Iran, Syria, Russia, America, all of these countries, these nations, these superpowers, in their arrogance, they really believe that they are making the calls that the power is in their hands, and they feel so powerful. But really, right, Mishle, the Proverbs, the, tell us, Kemayim, like water streams in the king's heart in Hashem's hands. Like streams of water is the king's heart in Hashem's hands. He turns it where he desires, right? They are merely sticks in Hashem's hands. They're puppets in the hands of the God of Israel. All of this is being orchestrated for our benefit and for our growth to bring us to the place we need to be to bring redemption, not only for ourselves, but for the entire world. So Rav Biederman, you know, reminds us from Psalm 148. He says, Fire and hail, snow and smoke, stormy winds that executes his command. Ruach se'ara osedvaro. These stormy winds, these hurricanes, feel like a, a category five hurricane. It is the, it is executing Hashem's command. All of the insanity and the volatility and the unpredictability. It feels like we're in the middle of a storm and of a hurricane. And all of this is under Hashem's command. Because there is something about all this that we need to be enduring to bring out from within us. To create us into the people that we need to be in order to fix the world and to heal humanity. And ultimately to bring Mashiach. And, uh, and you know, I, I want to read to you a little bit about what the, the sages have said about the times we're in now, Yomoda Mashiach, but not just yet. We'll get there in a moment. So R Rabbi Berman, remember Rabbi Avi Berman? So he says, uh, uh, he quotes a verse from Isaiah in the name of Rav Drukman that just nailed it, right? He says, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, Et sarali Yaakov umimena yivasheah. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob. And from it he shall be saved. And my friends, notice here, he doesn't say it's a time of trouble for Jacob and afterwards he'll be saved. It says, Mimena, from it, meaning from within the trouble itself, because of the trouble itself, that will be our salvation. And what, what could come from this degree of darkness, right? What could come from it? And the answer is that from such an unprecedented, deprivated darkness, will come an equal and exactly opposite degree of light. A light is so beautiful that we can't even imagine it in our current state. Our sages teach us that the light that will come from this will be so intense, so blinding, that only if you've spent your whole life building up your faith and internalizing your trust in Hashem and performing acts of charity and loving kindness to the degree that you've done that, you'll be able to receive it. Because the sages say the light of redemption will warm the righteous and burn the evil, right? The same light. And on some level, our whole lives here, the, definitely the whole fellowship has been practiced for building those vessels of faith and trust that we need right now. Are we going to be able to maintain a degree of calmness 
right in the heart of this storm. And I'm not talking about a calmness of of of, uh, of sort of surrender or hopelessness either. No, a calmness that comes with trust and faith that the whole world around us can be going up in flames, but our faith is in Hashem. And so Rav Shlomo has pointed out that the third verse in the Torah, this week's Torah portion, it can be read a little bit differently. And it will tell us what our job is here, what this whole war is all about. Now, usually we read it, Vayomer Elohim Yehior, Vayehior. Right, and Hashem said, "Let there be light," and there was light. But then here's how Rav Shlomo said it. He said, "Vayomer." It's like a directive to the Jewish people. Hashem is saying, "Vayomer." You shall say, "Elohim," the name of God. We shall call out in the name of God, and then, and then, or Then there will be light. That's what the world is waiting for. That's what the world has always been waiting waiting for. And the great commentator Rashi asks why the Torah begins with the creation story. Perhaps it should have started with the first commandment. We've spoken about this before. And he answers his own question by saying that in the end of days, the nations will come against us and claim that the land of Israel does not belong to us. And we're to point to these very words, Bereshit We point to the Torah and we say, God, the God of Israel created the entire world and he gave us the land of Israel. And that is our right to the land. Proclaiming the name of Hashem. That's the light. Fighting with hearts of faith and trust in Hashem, the hearts of, of the Lion of Judah. That is what's being awoken right now. I see it. I see it every day. Uh, the, the Lion of Judah is being awoken, and the forces of darkness do not stand a chance. That's the light. right? They fight with chariots and horses, but we fight with the name of Hashem. We're in the midst of a time of tremendous, extraordinary refinement. Right? Since the Garden of Eden, right, evil and good and light and darkness have been mixed and confused. And as we approach the Garden again, that light and that darkness is being refined out and clarified and sifted. And the evil that we're staring in the eye is Amalek. It's no different than Nazi ideology. Zero difference. Tab of the show. So the, uh, that here, this is a picture of Haj Amin al-Husseini, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, and Hitler. There was a Muslim unit of the SS before Israel was founded. This isn't political. It's not about land. It's not about settlements. Watch BBC, CNN. It's about the settlements. They'll say, don't believe it. Right? Was the PLO founded in 1964, the Palestinian Liberation Organization founded in 1964 to liberate the settlements of 1967 that didn't even exist yet? Were the massacres and the pogroms of in Hebron in 1929 due to the state of Israel of 1948 that didn't even exist yet. This is about pure, unadulterated, genocidal hatred of the Jew, which transcends logic and reason, at least logic and reason that we can understand. It's from the deepest part of the soul, and that's why it needs to be thoroughly eradicated, leaving not even a trace behind. That's the mistake that Saul made, that he didn't eviscerate and kill Agag because he listened to his men and he didn't take responsibility for that. We can't make that mistake right now. We can't tiptoe around Gaza. We need to go in with the wrath of God. And believe it or not, you know, in the face of this most evil, sick, sadistic genocide, there are massive protests around the world in support of Hamas. Here's just one example, just one. I'm not going to go through all of them, of a protest in London. London! Okay, that's what you're looking at. <laughs>
days, days after the horrific murder, rape, torture, burning of babies with sadistic glee. And these people all over the world, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions are doing this, right? All those who defend Hamas, all those who rationalize or justify their genocide, all those who morally equivocate and call Israel's you know, lack of response thus far, already they're calling it disproportionate because we shut off their electricity and their water. We need to be providing water and electricity to the Nazis that are seeking to wipe us off. It's so insane. These people are casting their own lot and attribute for attribute, they will pay the price of their moral blindness and their evil and their duplicity. And it's never been more clear what is light and what is darkness. And for those that are too morally corrupt and spiritually sick to see it, well, their blood is on their own heads. And if you have any fear in your heart right now, it should be for them, right? Because they are making their own beds. Because as far as, as fear is concerned, that is the real war right now. This is becoming increasingly clear to me every day that goes by about what's happening in my own heart. This is not a war against Hamas. This is a war against doubt. This is a war against fear. This is a war. This war, it's, a, it's an inside game. It's an inside game. And the real battlefield is in our hearts, not only as individuals, but as a nation. And when we win that inside game, when we put our faith and our trust in the God of Israel, then victory in the outside, that will just follow. Because if we saw things clearly, if we could calm our hearts and our minds and zoom out, we would see that Hashem has a perfect track record in protecting his people. And the proof is we're here right now. I'm talking right now. This fellowship is happening. We've been ingathered from the exiles and our ancient language has been revived and the words of the prophets have been revived. And here we are. Hashem is a perfect track record. We haven't endured thousands of years of exile and persecution just to call it a day right now. That's ridiculous. So Rav Manus Friedman shares a beautiful idea from the shortest of all Psalms, Psalm 117. He says, Oh, praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you peoples. For his loving kindness is great towards us, and the truth of Hashem endures forever. Hallelujah. Right? All the nations, this is what Rav Manus says, all the nations will praise Hashem because of the chesed, the loving kindness Hashem does for his people. So why are the nations praising Hashem because of the loving kindness he does for us? Because they know even more than we do, they know more than anyone what they plan to do to us. And they know how Hashem saved us. They know about the great kindnesses Hashem saves us a lot more than we do. Just one small example. Last night, there were tens of armed terrorists off the beach in Naharia, approaching the beach. And here's what happened when Hashem introduced them to the Israeli Navy. Just imagine if they had made it to Naharit. You know, for every single one of the Shabbat, Simchat Torah mornings, the genocide that just happened, there are thousands that are planned and there are thousands that are foiled. And Hashem has constantly been protecting us. And the other day, you know, I led davening, I led prayers, and I just wept. There's maybe a hundred guys that I was leading in prayer. 
And I was only doing it because, of course, I, I lead prayers because my father passed away. And I was actually thinking perhaps he passed away at that moment to force me to lead the congregation in prayers and put myself out there like that because it was out of my hands. I just wept. And it was painful and it was vulnerable and it was unusual. And it isn't common for the leader of the service to uncontrollably weep through prayers. But I did. And I had a moment, I was like, I should step down. I should let someone switch me out. But I said, no, 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 this is, this is real. And I didn't step down and I didn't have someone switch me out because I realized that is exactly what the nation of Israel needs to do. We need to shatter our hearts. We need to allow our hearts to be shattered. We need to shatter them before Hashem and offer him up the pieces. You know, if anything will shatter our cynicism and our skepticism and our hearts of stone, it's this. And so I just let the tears flow and we're all letting the tears flow. And it's not weakness. They're tears of strength and they're tears of faith and of conviction and of rage and pain at the evil that is perpetrated against our people. Innocent, innocent. The innocence is beyond babies, little children, the videos. You know, I, I didn't want my family. I don't I'm conflicted about whether we even, should even watch these videos, but I watched more of them then perhaps I should have because I needed to see that evil. I needed to confront it. I needed to face it because I, when I'm going out to war, I need to be ready on an emotional, spiritual level and know the darkness and the evil that I'm fighting. And that's strength. That's strength. And we need to let let the pain out and let the strength in. And, uh, and Hashem is with us and he will bring us to salvation. I'll tell you that much. And so now I'm going to turn it over to you, Jeremy. And, uh, and, then, and then hang on tight. I don't know how long this fellowship will go, but we definitely want to to hear from you. We want to hear, you know, your thoughts, definitely your questions. If you have questions, we want to connect with you. Try to keep your comments short so we can have as many as we, you know, as, as we can. Jeremy, go ahead. Okay. Shalom, everyone. It's really so wonderful to see you. It's um, It gives me personally so much strength uh, to gather here together, to know that we're going through this together and that. In some ways, I already know that we're going to be victorious together. And so um, I want to start off um, with just some real uh, tools to give people, because right now we are in a war of ideas and the silence is deafening to me. Where are all of the Palestinians that are condemning what Hamas did? Not just the Palestinians in Israel, there's Palestinians all over the world. Where are the Arab world representatives that are condemning what happened. What's going on there? Why is that happening? Right now in Berlin, Jews are being targeted and they're making pictures outside their home, painting stars of David. Tabitha, can you just put up a few pictures here? It's like bringing us back to Nazi days. That's happening in the heart of Germany where they're finding where Jews live and marking their homes. In Sydney, there was a protest that was so vile that was, you know, it's almost like they said the quiet part out loud. Check out this video. You couldn't hear it. They were saying, gas the Jews, gas the Jews. That protest happened before Israel retaliated in Gaza. So what that's telling you is that this isn't about freeing the Palestinian people or Palestinian statehood. 
This is an attack on the people of Israel. This is an attack on the God of Israel. This is an attack on the truth, on goodness, and they just expose themselves. And Ari showed this video. I just wanted you to see the drone footage from London because London has fallen. That is an image of 50,000 pro-Hamas protesters. Now, to understand that Ari compared the Hamas to the Nazis, and I think that he's mistaken. The Hamas are much worse than Nazis. Nazis knew they were doing something wrong, and they tried to hide what they were doing. They tried to hide it from the Red Cross. They tried to hide it from Western civilization. The Hamas uploaded all their atrocities to TikTok and to Telegram and to YouTube. They were proclaiming it throughout the world like ISIS does. Hamas is ISIS. And in some ways, the evil that we're dealing with now is even worse than what we were dealing with with the Nazis. And in all of the past operations that Ari and I fought in, and Israel was so careful, sacrificing our own soldiers to protect the quote-unquote innocent civilians of Gaza. Well, those youngsters in Gaza 15 years ago that we so morally protected are now the young 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23-year-olds that just did the butchery that we saw. And so now what are we going to do? So they're going to be able to kill our civilians whenever they want and then run behind and hide in their civilian air territories and then Israel can't do anything? I think that that needs to come to an end immediately. And this is what we need now. We need moral clarity and not fake morality. Because right now, a lot of fake morality is being thrown at Israel. And Israel has the Torah to keep us on the straight and narrow. There is moral clarity and fake morality. So I'm going to give one example. People are blaming Israel that our response is not proportional. I found a video here on the BBC where a spokesman gave one of the most articulate answers, and he said it better than I could. So I want, if you ever hear someone saying, well, Israel's response is not proportionate, Listen to this video so you have Siege the answer. Of Gaza cutting off all supplies of fuel, the electric last electricity plant, that's gone. There is no electricity, there is no running water, there is no food going in, there are no other fuel supplies going in. Borders closed at Egypt as well. Bizarrely little criticism of Egypt for that, interestingly. Um, is that, and while raining down missiles on buildings which they know are going to kill civilians, we know hundreds and hundreds of civilians have already died, many of them children, is that a reasonable, proportionate and moral response by Israel. There is some deep perversion in Britain whenever Israel is involved in a conflict, and it is the word you just used, proportion, proportionate, proportionality. Only Britain is really obsessed with this. I've heard it for the last few days incessantly. Proportionality in conflict rarely exists. But if we were to decide that we should have this fetish about proportionality, then that would mean that in retaliation for what Hamas did in Israel on Saturday, Israel should try to locate a music festival in Gaza, for instance, and good luck with that, should try to find a music festival in Gaza and rape precisely the number of women that Hamas raped on Saturday, kill precisely the number of young people that Hamas killed on Saturday. They should find a town 
uh, of exactly the same size as a town like Starat, where I've been many times myself, and make sure they go to door to door and kill precisely the correct number of babies that Hamas killed in Starat on Saturday, and shoot in the head precisely the same number of old age pensioners as were shot in Starat on Saturday, just to choose one town. Proportionality in conflict is a joke. And it's a very strange British concept which we've had that only the Israelis in a conflict when they are attacked are expected to have precisely the proportionate response. No, I, I don't I, believe no, I'm going to challenge you on that, Douglas, because I do think when we had, you know, the, the invasions of, of Afghanistan and of Iraq, a lot of people were discussing by, by I mean, Afghanistan and huge numbers of uh, countries involved, I, Iraq less so, obviously, but there was still discussion about whether or not with the number of civilian deaths that this was proportionate to the threat as perceived by, by America, no, by we, other we, countries. We didn't say that the death toll in uh, Afghanistan had to be precisely the death toll, for instance, in the Twin Towers in New York. We didn't take that view. By the way, it always has to be said, the difference between the Western way of war and the Hamas terrorist way of war is that their objective is to kill civilians. The objective of Hamas is to kill innocent people. The objective in conflict of the United States, the United Kingdom, Israel and other civilized democracies is to kill as few innocent people as possible. It cannot be said enough that Israel tries to use the IDF to protect its citizenry. Hamas uses the citizenry to try to protect Hamas. Uh, Israel precisely uses precision-guided missiles in order to try to limit civilian casualties. But I have no doubt that after the atrocities of the last week, the appetite of the Israeli public and military and politicians to continue this precision game will, of course, change. So here's something that you need to know when you hear people saying, oh, Israel's response is not proportionate. So what they're saying is Israel should never win the battle. They're saying that they should be able to come in, butcher our children, rape our women, and we can't ever win. We can only strike back, but let the evil exist. So whenever you hear the fake morality of a proportionate response, know what they're doing is they're saying Israel is not allowed to win the war. We're not allowed, actually allowed to siege the, the enemy weaken them and then conquer them. No, no, we just have to respond proportionately. So remember, we need moral clarity and to fight fake morality. Here's a second part. I hear all the time now that Israel is to blame. Israel is to blame for what Hamas did on Saturday of Simchat Torah. It's, you know, the, the, the way we guard the border. It's the security measures in Gaza. It's like an open air prison. Whatever the words are, you make you take your pick, blaming the victim, Israel, for what Hamas did to us. And so I want you to look at this picture here. This is Hadas and Itai Berdachevsky. They are 30 years old. They were 30 years old. And Hamas terrorists came into their kibbutz in southern Israel. And they tried to fight back, but they were killed. They were somehow able to hide their two twins that were just 10 months old. And the 10-month-old twins stayed there next to their dead bodies for more than 12 hours until they were finally rescued. Does anyone here think, if you really go into your heart, that those two Jewish orphans are going to rise up one day and become genocidal butchers and rapists? No one thinks that. No one thinks that. No matter what happened to them, that's not what's going to happen because the Arab population in Gaza 
has been poisoned, has been indoctrinated, is evil to its core. They celebrated in the streets with our dead bodies. There is evil, and then we have to uproot and destroy it. We cannot allow it to continue to fester and to grow. It's like a disease that needs to be surgically removed from this world. And so the last thing that I want to talk about is the civilian casualties, because Israel is going to take a lot of heat now, because the only way to go to war will be with as best as we can to not hurt anyone that is quote unquote innocent. But there will be collateral damage. It's impossible in every war, in every scenario, there is always collateral damage. And for these, you know, fake, woke, enlightened people saying to the most moral army in the world, giving us Musser, giving us guidance on how to be moral after we had just experienced what we experienced, which I don't think that our imagination could imagine a worse evil than what was perpetrated to us. But just know that according to international law, it is illegal to use your citizens as human shields. Hamas is to blame for every single civilian that is killed in warfare. And now Hamas are trying their very best to not allow its own civilians to escape. So they don't care if Jews die. They don't care if Arabs die. On the contrary, they're a death cult. And it says in their charter that they were elected on. The Hamas was an elected party, elected by the people of Gaza, popularly supported by the people of Gaza. And in their charter, it says their purpose and their mission is to annihilate every Jew in the land of Israel and every Jew everywhere in the world. They were elected on that charter and supported on that platform. And you know what they're going to do when they're done with the Jews? They're coming for everyone else. That's not exactly like them. First, the Saturday people, then the Sunday people. First, Israel, then America. Europe is already fallen. You can see what's happening now in Sweden and in London. There's just nothing at this point. I don't know how they're going to get out of it. But the citizens of Gaza have been given days of notice to leave. And those that decide to stay, because they could leave, it's they are siding with the Hamas, listening to Hamas orders instead of the IDF's orders to leave and evacuate the scenario. And you know, there were Germans that's they weren't necessarily holding guns with the Nazi SS officers, but there were Germans that supported the Nazi party, that voted the Nazi party, and they're indoctrinated their children as Hitler youth. And so those people that stay, it is Hamas's fault 100 percent. The Hamas is doing everything it can to maximize civilian casualties. And so with that, there is actually a call to action that all of us here that are listening to this broadcast can do. All of us. Israel now has one solution. There is only one solution. It needs to start in the north and slowly go all the way down, pushing the people of Gaza all the way down to the Egyptian border and then into Egypt and then to totally clean out and retake Gaza. That will be the only way to finally put an end to this insanity that has gone on and on and on. In 2005, we disengaged from Gaza. We gave them their own land. The world poured billions of dollars into Gaza. They could have turned it in 
to Singapore. And instead, they used all of their money to build tunnels, to buy missiles, to buy weapons, and to continue on their genocidal mission. So now Israel has to take responsibility and clean out Gaza. So what is the call to action? The call to action right now is every person in their country needs to call their congressman, call their representative, and pressure their country to pressure Egypt to open their border. That is the only way Israel will be able to win this war once and for all, as if the Gazans leave, go into Egypt, into the Sinai, and we rehabilitate, we rebuild, we resettle them. That is the only way to actually vanquish Hamas, that there will be no more evil in the land. That is the only solution. So what? We can actually do something. We can get on the phone and make a phone call. We can call our representative. We can make demonstrations. Calling on Egypt for the humanitarian aid of the people of Gaza that are trying to escape the Hamas to open its border. And so right now, we are at war with nothing less than evil manifest. It's as if Satan has manifested in the world and done the most horrific things imaginable. Burning babies, raping, kidnapping children that are still in Gaza now. Just the horrors are unthinkable. We are dealing with absolute evil. And so right now, the war is escalating. America has now sent two of the largest aircraft carriers in the world toward Israel. They're slated to arrive either tomorrow or the day after. Iran has now sent message through the United Nations that if Israel does continue its military action in Gaza, it will attack Israel. And so this whole conflict is now escalating to become an international conflict. And here's what I believe we need to know. There is a process that has already started. And it's a process that can't be stopped. And all the forces of evil will come together, parading in the streets of Sydney and in London and in Arab world and inside Israel. And they're going to try to stop this process from happening. But God has brought the Jewish people back to the land of Israel. And there is no stopping the process of redemption. It says, Be'ita Achishen. In its time, I will hasten it. Those are the words of Isaiah the prophet. And what does that mean? That means it's going to come whether we want it or not. It's going to come in its time and it will be hastened. If we are not who we need to be, then the circumstances are going to force us to become who we were created to be as a nation. Nothing can stop that. And if you look at Israel now, 165 thousand Israelis have returned to Israel in the last week. Israel is the only country that I know of that as war breaks out in its border with an existential threat that Israel may be wiped off the map with Iran coming from the east, Hezbollah from the north, Hamas from the south, and who knows who might join this parade. And Israelis are coming back 165,000 to go and serve in Israel's military. All of a sudden, the nation of Israel is united. The ultra-Orthodox Jews have now been, requ have been requested to join the IDF, and if not as combat soldiers, to come and help with all the non-combat needs that are in the IDF, and they're now joining as a unified nation in the army. All of the things that we should have done on our own are we're now forced to become who we were meant to be. And so the process of redemption is reality, and you can't shake 
reality. You can bend it for maybe just a little bit, but ultimately God's plan is what will unfold. And maybe that's why this war broke out on Bereshit. Bereshit is the beginning. And what we're understanding now is at the end of this war, there will be a new beginning. There will be a new Bereshit. We will actually exist in a world that is not the world that we know now today. And so now I hope that our fellowship is practiced, that we've built our ark, that we're ready, that we are strong and that we're faithful and that we're loyal and that we have trust in Hashem because his plan is going to unfold. And now we have a choice. We have a choice. Where do we do while this plan is unfolding? How do we participate? How can we play the biggest role possible? How can we become the person that Hashem created us to be in this scenario to serve Israel at the highest level possible? Because it's never been more clear. If you stand against Israel now, you are standing on the side of butchers, of child murderers, of rapists, of the most evil, vile people on planet Earth. It is either to side with Israel or to side with evil. The line has never been clearer. And so I bless us all that we have the power, the strength, the courage, and the faith to do what needs to be done and to vanquish this evil from the face of the Earth. So that was beautiful, Jeremy. So my thought now is, Jeremy, let's end close to this. Maybe next uh, fellowship we'll have a, a microphone here that will amplify our voices more. Um, but if I could just respectfully say, you, you were talking about the poison, the, the indoctrination of, of these Hamas. Who poisoned the poisoners? Who indoctrinated the indoctrinators? Meaning it says, uh, the, the Torah tells us, from whence the name Ishmael. Where does that name come from? Which means, what does Ishmael mean? Ishmael means God will hear. It says in, in uh, Breshit in Genesis chapter 16, you must name him Ishmael. And why is he called that? Because in the future, God will hear the cry of his people Israel regarding what the Ishmaelites are going to do in the land in the end of days. Therefore, he was called Ishmael, as it says. God will hear and will answer them. This is a, a, a spiritual, this is the spiritual DNA of Ishmael. This isn't about indoctrination and uh, brainwashing. Okay, the, who brainwashed the brainwashers? This is, was meant to be happening right now since the beginning of time, and it's culminating in exactly the way that it should be culminating. And I just want to read this. Uh, I have some sort of aversion uh, towards getting into this sort of thing, but I, it strengthened me when I read This is a book that was written not last week, but a long time ago. Regarding the exact length of the Battle of Gogumagog, the Vilna Gaon and the Chofetz Chaim have different opinions as to how long this final war will last. The Vilna Gaon states that the final war of Gogumagog will begin on Hoshana Rabbah before daybreak. All right, are you, are you listening to that? Before daybreak and will last three hours hours. It was said in the name of the Chafetz Chaim that the World World War III will be Gogu Magog, and it may last a total of 20 minutes. And so I used to think that that was a, a debate, if it was a contradiction. One of them was right, one of them was wrong. But now, well, it's clear that the initial onslaught that started this war was about three hours, right, Jeremy? 
Anyways, about three hours. And the finality, the culmination of it, as crazy as it could be to imagine before the invention of nuclear relativity, of the theory of relativity and nuclear power, but it's not crazy to imagine now, 20 minutes. The prophet Joel, Yoel, uses an unusual turn of phrase when describing the final war. He says, I will set wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun will turn into darkness and the moon to blood red before the coming of the great awesome day of Hashem. So it says here, the phrase for pillar of smoke in Hebrew is simrat ashan, timrot ashan. This literally means like a palm tree of smoke, which can also be understood as a mushroom cloud and could be a reference to nuclear war. We could go on and on, but I don't want to use this time. The reason that that, that comforts me is because this is, it just reminds me, this is not uncharted territory here. The prophets, the sages of Israel, they've told us how this will play out, and we know how this will end. We know how this will end, and it will be magnificent and beautiful and good, and the peace and serenity that our children will feel could only come from the volatility and terror and horror and darkness that we have right now. Jeremy, we, we can't hear you. I just wanted to make sure that everyone understood that the last slide that was just up where Ari was reading off, and it says that the war of Gogu Magog will start on Hoshana Rabbah. That is the last day of Sukkot, of Simchat Torah. That was last Saturday when Hamas invaded Israel and perpetrated the worst horrific day in Israel's history since the Holocaust. That happened on that day, and now the domino effect has started. And so I just wanted to make sure that that was clear. Let us give you a blessing. Uh, it's the blessing that Aaron, the high priest, gives to the nation of Israel. Just received it this morning. And uh, and although, as we always say, we are not priests here. We're not the children of Aaron. The Torah tells us that the nation of Israel, we are a nation of priests. And so it's our greatest joy and honor and privilege to bless all of you. You're such a blessing to us. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha, Ya'er Adonai panav elecha v'yichuneka, Yisa Adonai panav elecha v'yishamlecha shalom. May Hashem bless and protect you, and may He shine His light and His countenance upon you, and may He give you peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my friends. Shalom, friends. Shalom. Please stay in touch. To join the Land of Israel Fellowship, to attend our live interactive Zoom sessions, to participate in the Fellowship Connection Q&A events, or even just to binge on past sessions, click on the link below or go to thelandofisrael.com backslash fellowship and join our family of hundreds of people from around the world broadcasting light from the Land of Israel live from the Judean frontier.